Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs, with companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Sovereign is known for providing the world's best and most accurate parsing products. And now, based on that technology, comes Sovereign's artificial intelligence matching and scoring software. In fractions of a second, receive match results that provide candidates scored by fit to job, and just as importantly, the job's fit to the candidate. Make faster and better placements. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N dot com. We provide technology that thinks, communicates, and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. I'm really rich. Hide Hide your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous Dangerous podcast. podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Election Day Podcast. Remember the band Arcadia that was made up of like three Duran Duran members? The, yes. the hit song Election Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I don't quite remember that song, probably because it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> All the ladies love Duran Duran. And if you wanted to get in when, in with the ladies, you needed to know a little bit of uh, Simon LeBon. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be talking about election stuff, and we're just going to have uh, just a pure discussion about some of the shit that's been going on. We brought Ted Bauer on today. Who is Ted Bauer? He's he's one of the guys, and here's the reason why I wanted to have Ted on. Ted is one of those guys on social media that post memes for shock value, but instead of just yelling MAGA and running away in every response, um, he, he looks for a real interaction. And Ted has a conversation around the stupidity that's actually happening. So I thought, we have a stupid show. Ted likes to talk about stupid (laughs) shit. Let's get Ted on. Let's talk about the election. Ted, give us a little bit, little Twitter bio about you. Let's get stupid. Um, Yes, I... I (laughs) Um, I am generally stupid, but I uh, I appreciate that intro because that is what I try to do. Like, I think, especially in the last two to four years, we've had a lot of bullshit swirling around. So I try to, like, engage with both sides about it because there is a validity to both sides, even if we don't always see it. Um, but and then just like generally from a vocational sense, um, I write for people, so like ghostwriting, freelance stuff, marketing. 
Are you the one writing all that direct mail that I'm getting right now? Are you the one behind that shit? I've only done that one time. In, I've been doing this shit like five years, and I've only done a direct mail thing like once. So I've stayed out of that fray, which is cool. <laughs> Let's get into the uh, into the soup here, kids. So first and foremost, Joel and myself and our wives spent 2016 together uh, hoping that we were going to see a, a president uh, Hillary Clinton that never happened. And that night devolved yeah. into some yeah. shit. So yeah. the, the, the question is, how did we get here? First off, Ted, how did, how did we get here? This is kind of like a, a quick postmortem. Okay, well, first of all, real quick, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Leon Bridges, the singer. No. Was he in Duran Duran? <laughs> um, I think he had a big song that was on that Big Little Lies HBO show, and he was on a Super Bowl commercial last year. But randomly, I watched the 2016 election at the same bar as him. So uh -huh. that's my little like celebrity tie in. Like, I don't have a cool wife story uh, about how that night devolved, but wrong. <laughs> I did watch it with a guy that um, has been on a Reese Witherspoon HBO show, his music, so, at least. <laughs> so when, while you were sitting there uh -huh. and then afterwards, right? Yeah. I mean, what went wrong? If there were some things that you could boil it down to, right? what went wrong? Okay, well, it seems like the big ones are. Hillary pulled out of uh, upper Midwest too early. Um, I feel like that was a big thing that didn't get covered as much as, as it was happening, but kind of screwed her because it felt like it all came down to the upper Midwest at the end of the day. Um, I do feel like I was walking my dog the next morning and I was like pulling up local media youtube videos from like ohio michigan wisconsin whatever and mm -hmm. you know you have that whole jd vance like hillbilly lg narrative about like how the midwest got gutted by like technology and all that shit and yeah. i agree with that to an extent that's a big the media likes to bang that drum but it is true um and i found like i remember i was walking my dog he's like taking a shit in this field i used to live next to like a golf course so i used to like in a show against the elites i used to like let him shit on the golf course sometimes <laughs> so i just remember i found this video from ohio and this guy was like you know my like my grandfather worked for whirlpool for 25 years and my dad worked there for 35 years and then i started there and then they outsourced 700 jobs and like trump was the only one talking about job hey ted do you feel like do you feel like the the hillary not going to the midwest states was that hubris or was it a strategic fart by the campaign uh, i think it's a mix of both man yeah um i think she probably thought she had those uh, tied up because they're not that they all have been solidly blue, but maybe she was seeing numbers that she had them tied up. But I, I think it's partially strategic for it too. So that would be the big chunk. I do think like, I, I don't buy the whole Trump fake news thing, but yeah. um, there was that huge Biden, uh, Hillary Obama rally in Philadelphia, like by the Liberty Bell, and it had a bunch of people, and that was all that got covered. But Trump that night had like a 30,000 person rally in Michigan, and obviously, like only Fox News covered it, right? Yeah, so that I don't buy his fake news shit that much, but that was something that even like a week after I was like, huh, 
Like, I don't watch Fox News. I had no idea that he had 30K people at, an, like, an assembly plant in Michigan the night before this election, right? How much How much does did Comey's uh, investigation affect the election, if at all, in your I opinion? I think it played in, but I do think, like, sometimes people that are more educated and, like, close to elite or whatever who, like, follow the news and subscribe to newsletters and watch cable and shit, mm-hmm. I feel like they know about that stuff and care about it more than an average voter. Like, I kind of feel the same way about Russia. Like, we made a big deal on Russia, and I do think they did something. But if really all they did was, like, buy Facebook ads, I don't know how much that shifted the electorate. Have you watched The Social Dilemma? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a little bit of that in there. So, Joel, what are your thoughts? I mean, I I feel like there was a lot of of hubris, not just by the the Hillary folks, but just by the country. Yeah. Um, You know, Obama was a very sort of calming candidate and president. And we, we had eight years of sort of just nice uh, uh, presidential um, behavior. Uh, clearly, we know now that there was a, a huge segment of the population that felt left behind by that whole period. But I think that a lot of people who would normally be energized and engaged on the blue side of, of, of the political spectrum were sort of lulled into believing that no way could a Trump presidency happen. I think that's changed now. And we'll talk a little bit about how, yeah. what, what's different in 2020. Yeah. But I think there was there was definitely a lull of like, this could never happen. We're better than this. And and combined with that, I, I think that the Russian thing does have an, an impact. And I think it was less about the ads that were bought versus, you know, the the fake media entities that were created you right. know my dad my dad is my dad is the focus group for what's wrong with yeah. that whole side of the Mine world too. and my dad would share stories from you know the independence journal right which is which is nothing it's just it's a made-up website that looks like a legitimate paper and the shit that they were spewing was ridiculous but i really feel like because my dad being 80 uh 80 something thought oh this is a real publication providing news about you know this sex ring in the bottom of every starbucks in the world yeah, yeah. i do think that had an impact i think i think comey saying was a little bit of like oh yeah see hillary's crooked put her in jail that affected a few things so those were minimal to the point of i think the big thing was like we just kind of fell asleep at the wheel yep and I don't think that's going to happen in 2020. Chad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Hillary could have made one decision that would have changed everything. If you if you think of Hillary's running mate was Tim Kaine, right. and I think that was a horrible choice. Yeah, eight years bad. of Obama, and then so now we're going back to business as usual. I think if she would have chose uh, Cory Booker, then the 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 repression or, or what have you of the voter, you know, the, the, the voters, the, the black side of the house. I don't think that would have happened. I think they would have actually come out to vote because they wouldn't have felt that it was business as usual. I mean, just one change. That could have been one change. I don't think there would have been anything that we could have done about Facebook other than Obama right. actually cracking down on it. But he was afraid to crack down on it because he thought that it was going to look like he was doing it for Hillary. How about the just real quick? Do you think the Bernie the Bernie Bros were an impact? Because oh, yeah. I think there was a, sure. a reaction to like fuck, sure. the, fuck the establishment. We're going to stay home, or we're going to vote for the opposition. Yeah, I think that, I think it was a factor. And if you talk about like, okay, the total thing was probably decided by like less people that can fit in University of Michigan Stadium. Like, oh yeah. Th- then there's enough. 
there's enough Bernie people that could probably have uh, flipped it. Did you just bring up Michigan in our podcast? That's... They could have fit in the horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> the horseshoe. What I was going to say, too, is like, I do feel like there was hubris on the pollster side, too. And I feel yes. like Luntz has said this, but like, if we get 2020 horribly wrong, like right now we're saying Biden plus 10, Biden plus six and swing or whatever. If we get it horribly wrong and it's like Trump, 330 electoral vote or whatever like can mm-hmm. anybody trust polling in the next like 40 years <laughs> yeah yeah well, and that's the problem right now is the, the whole trust factor and that's exactly what what trump's been able to push is you oh, can't yeah. trust you can't trust anybody but him you can't trust the Wrong. media you can't trust doctors you can't trust uh pollsters you can't trust a- any of it right none right. of it can you trust only I can fix it. I am the chosen one. Do you think there's been like a general erosion of expertise or trust in expertise in the last four don't years be rude. <laughs> relative to other periods? Because I don't know about like 52 to 56 or whatever, but it does feel like we like, you know, you get somebody that is a fucking PhD in some subject, right? And it's nah. like he'll post something on Twitter and his account's verified and the fact that he's done all this research is in his bio. And, like, some guy will be like, fake news. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Dude, I, I yeah. just spent 30 years on this, right? Well, <laughs> you've got you've to take a look at this has been uh, really a schooling on dif- uh, disinformation campaigns and how right. to actually, in, you know, in, in today's world, uh, pull off a disinformation campaign. And we, we've been okay at it over the years and in, in spreading di- disinformation in many different ways, right. uh, whether it's using the internet, but, but not to, to, to this level of toxicity. Right. Uh, so I think this is one of the things that we have to realize is that we as a country have that hubris where we're like, oh yeah, nobody can crack into here. Nobody can, nobody can impact us. Well, guess what? Wrong. Kids? Exactly. <laughs> Wrong. I'm not a huge fan of like all the disinformation stuff he pulls, but I did. I laughed for like five minutes about that Despacito thing when it was like Biden went to play Despacito on his phone and they put it as like, fuck the police. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the difference? What's the difference in 2020 now versus 2016? What do you think it will be the difference or, or or won't be the difference for, for uh, Biden and, and Kamala? Okay. Well, the thing we can't ignore is that he's a guy and she was a woman. And I still think we have problems with that. A lot of people have strong opinions on her. I think Biden, Mm -hmm. a a lot of people are like, okay, I don't love him, but I don't, he doesn't massively offend me. He's just kind of like a. He's Uncle Joe. Yeah, it's like a dopey career politician, right? And that you can get into a whole rabbit hole about whether we should have career politicians. We shouldn't. But um, the thing is, I don't think he offends a lot of people. Maybe. 3% 3% of the far right are like, oh, he's going to sell us to China or whatever. But I, I think most voters are like, oh, he's just a fucking old guy that reminds me of my uncle that I see every other Thanksgiving. <laughs> we've, got, we've got two old white guys, though, running for president. So, Joel, right. what do you see the difference? 
They're so different though. I mean, yeah. so so on one end, we basically sign up for the reality show for season two. Yep. And just like The Apprentice, it was sort of fun in the first couple seasons. And, you know, like like I told Chad, by the last season, they had to get Gary Busey on, you know, for <laughs> yeah. people to actually yeah. watch it. Yeah. And I feel like, God, if we sign up for four more years of that, like, good Lord, um, I don't know if I can... I can't deal with my wife for sure. Um, And and then then on the other end, I think we have, I don't know, almost sort of an Ike Eisenhower guy, right? Like we got through World War II. Everyone sort of just spent, um, you know, we bombed Japan. It was like, let's just take a breath. Let's just exhale. Let's turn the temperature down, you know, on the in the in the oven because we're about to boil over um, and really do some damage. So, you know. I'm an optimist, you know, we'll, we'll get into predictions later, but I just feel like with the pandemic, the unemployment that is just getting started in, in my opinion, yeah. um, everything yeah. that's going on globally, the rise of China, like I think, you know, for me personally, I just want to take an exhale break. Yep. I want to like step back and, and have someone like uncle Joe come in <laughs> for four years make nice with our allies, uh, have some, have some control of this virus and this pandemic. And then like in 2024, we'll come out and we'll figure it out at that point. But right now I just feel like, man, we need to like chill the fuck out. Cause we're about to blow up. I agree. And I, I, the apprentice thing is a good analogy too. Cause, <laughs> um, it was funny, like the New York times tax return stuff. He basically was like, right before apprentice season one he was like shit i need something right wrong so so it's like i'm really rich there was a new yorker article about this like two years ago that was pretty good but like you can you can blame all this at some level on mark burnett you know just like resurrecting him when like in 1999 2000 2001 all he was doing was like shitty branding deals in the middle oh, east yeah. right he wasn't well, even you've seen uh fahrenheit 11.9 yeah, yeah michael yeah. moore movie where he he theorizes that the whole announcing for president was to get nbc to pay him more money than gwen stefani <laughs> who had just signed a contract for the voice which yeah. was more than his contract and before you know it everyone's like sweet trump presidency and he just rolled with it yeah. and accidentally fell into the presidency yeah but, i've heard that theory and it's sadly like it's completely viable it is <laughs> yeah, it, it is. is it is yeah. so let's let's jump into like the two or three key issues you think are are actually pressing <laughs> voters so so, right. Joel, give, what, what do you got? Pandemic, pandemic, and pandemic. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking, but, you know, I, I feel like not only the, the scourge of the virus, but how we've handled it and how yeah. we want to as a country handle it. And I think the long-term global effects of of the pandemic and where where our place is in, in that world. So yeah. if, you, if you take each of these separately, one is like, okay, we have one president, uh, a presidential candidate who's saying, like we need to wear masks, we need to distance ourselves, we need to take control, we need to listen to scientists and doctors and like create policy around that. And we have one who says, fuck that, we're rounding the bend, we have 50,000 people in a rally who aren't wearing masks. Listen to me. You know, I'm, I'm going to magically come up with the, with, the, with the vaccine after election day. I know I told you it'd be gone by Easter. I know you, I told you it'd be gone by summer, but this time I, I mean it. It's going to be gone after you reelect me. So, so on that end, I think it's important. On the other is like globally, we're seeing the rise of China. Uh, I mean, we saw that we saw that 
it anyway, but now we're seeing it expedited and accelerated. I mean, Asia is going to see actual growth in their economy this year. Um, and I think they're going to lap us in many ways. And I think if their outreach to Europe and all this is more attractive than ours, that becomes a real problem um, in terms of sort of the global balance of power. Yeah. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, Text uh-huh. kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh, my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, Okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Nachos. Because we we've pulled out of all of those conversations, yes. and I mean the French, the Paris Accord, yes. I mean all that shit, right? So it's like we there's a vacuum. Who's going to fill it? Yes. China. If I had a magic wand and Biden became president, I would make Barack Obama the Secretary of State for like twelve to twenty four months, and, yeah. and just say, "Hey, Barry, fix it. Like, go to <laughs> Europe, go to wherever you need to go, and like make nice with everybody." Um, yeah. It may not be Barack. It might be. Who knows, Mitt Romney or somebody. But I mean, I hope that happens because it needs to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the economy and all those things that are, are normally an issue. But I think most people now are going to vote based on what is the next 12, 24, you know, f- 48 months look like in terms of tackling this problem. That's a worldwide pandemic. Yeah. Ted says no to uh, B.O. Uh, do, doing anything in the administration. What, what are your top three <laughs> there, uh, Ted? Um, OK, obviously, pandemic would be one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like how he's handled it to this point and perceptions therein. I would say you can't avoid economy. Um, and China obviously plays into economy to some level. Um, I do think uh, what you guys said maybe five minutes ago about w- white collar even we're probably only in like the early second wave of layoffs, right? So you're going to have yeah. like higher income professionals losing their jobs. And some of that class probably feels like they're protected by Trump or the right in general or whatever. So economy is going to be a big one. And then I don't buy like 
the suburbs, um, ha- law and order safety stuff as much because it feels like a big dog whistle or whatever. But, <laughs> but the affirmatively furthering fair housing thing that Obama and Biden did, which was supposed to encourage communities to allow more affordable housing, apartment and condos, smaller single family houses to go up. Uh, Trump ended that. And so I do feel like there is a class of suburban women who probably still fear that, oh, like if a black family, minority family moves in two doors down, that's going to do something to their house or whatever. I don't know what the turnout in that class will be. And it's mixed because I also know there's uh, right leaning suburban women that are like tired of him tweeting so they're kind of like moving away from him in that regard i don't know which side is greater um so that's going to be interesting so i would say pandemic is number one probably far and away two would be economy which like the role of china versus our role plays into that and three would be this whole like law and order uh subdivision uh safety thing right um and it just depends like which of those I feel like pandemic is probably going to flare up the most in terms of influencing a person's vote. Do you feel like Trump has the leg up on the China question? Uh, yeah, because I think yeah. that even to go back to what I was saying before, even though I think that not everybody follows like Hunter Biden drama or whatever, just the fact that there are nuggets and kernels and breadcrumbs out there where you can like more easily tie Biden and his family to countries you haven't heard of or can't locate easily or whatever, you know, like Trump might be in bed with all of them and he's done branding deals in Asia for years. But I think for an average person, just looking at the news slash Facebook, whatever, it's easier to tie Biden to like, Oh, he's probably in bed with them. So Trump probably wins that narrative for an average person. It's interesting. You went that direction. I was thinking more like, I think that, you know, the tough on China thing resonates pretty well with, with voters. Um, So I think, I think that's an advantage Trump, but it's interesting that you took a different, different way. Chad, what do you think are the the top three issues? Well, first off, I think it's, it's interesting that you think that uh, with Ivanka getting like, I don't know how many different patents and trademarks in China since her dad's been in that, that that you think that, that Biden's in deeper. That's, that's interesting. Overall, I think healthcare is one of the things that we need to think about as we're talking about COVID. We're talking about a pandemic and we're talking about wanting to take away healthcare from how many millions of people. And, you know, we're talking about all these, you know, well, I'm not going to take away your healthcare. The thing that pissed me off, and and I was a Republican uh, before Trump's dumbass because he pushed me out of the party. As I started to see these Republicans who were who were pissed off about Obamacare, and then they had the opportunity to bring options to the table, plans to the table to be able to evolve what they wanted to be. Nothing happened. And we still have a president who's saying, oh, well, I've got a health care plan that's coming. Dude, you've been saying that for four fucking years. You're a liar. Right. Right. Uh, so the healthcare piece for me is huge because we need to cover our people to ensure that they're healthy. But one thing that gets me, and I got to ask you guys both this, what one disinformation campaign works the best to, to, to drive division one just one topic oh, that's a good question man um i would say like it seems recently that 
sadly, like one of the biggest things has been early voting timelines, when election day actually is. There was a thing a couple days ago that like Facebook approved ads to run on November 4th from the Trump campaign in like four states. I think Arizona was one of them that basically say like it's a new morning in America and Donald Trump is still your president, which is like true because the inauguration wouldn't be till January. But just like the fact that people don't know like basic dates and timelines within their um, where they live is like a little bit concerning and that can get exploited real easily. The American voter, the American population is ridiculously uneducated around something they should they, they should hold close to their heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Joel, what do you think? I think so your question is uh, misinformation or sort of. Yeah, just the one campaign that you think drives the major, major division. I think ultimately Trump represents sort of this white patriarchal history of America. Yeah. So so I think that the wedge of, you know, the the law and order, the looting, the uh, Antifa stuff that I think most of the stuff that went on was peaceful. Um, It was it wasn't looting. It wasn't breaking stuff. Obviously, that happened. But I think sort of building this like it's either us or them and them is the horde, you know, the Huns at the gate. Um, they want to right. raid the suburbs. They right. want to destroy your schools. They want to take your guns. They want to just basically it was this whole sort of putting us pitting us against each other, yeah. I think, has been the, the biggest detriment to sort of our society. But I think, uh, unfortunately, it's probably worked the best in Trump's favor because I think a lot of the suburbs and older people are going to go vote and think, oh, my God, if Biden gets in, in addition to my 401k going to zero and, you know, everything (laughs) else going bad, you know, like those people are going to come and really fuck shit up. And I think that's been a real sad, sad component of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. It's it's the 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 racial division to 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 an extent, but also it can, I think maybe second is the the bullshit disinformation around capitalism versus socialism. Oh, America is is going to become this socialist country. It's like you stupid motherfuckers. And then people listen, thinking that it's a black or white choice, right? It's it's either capitalism or socialism when we've had a blended government for years we need to tweak the fuck out of it don't get me wrong but this whole narrative around capitalism versus socialism i think splits us because people don't understand basic economics not at all and i mean you could argue and i've gotten yelled at online a ton of times for this but like the new deal was basically socialist in many respects you know there's no there's no argument around that how is there a fucking argument around that? We created jobs. The, U, the United States government created jobs and then started fucking paying those people. How is that not a socialist activity? <laughs> yeah, it's a socialist Wrong. activity. <laughs> I mean, come on. Don't be rude. Here's one thing I was going to ask y'all. To, yeah. We can go into predictions probably after this. But like, I just looked it up this morning and we have not gone over 60% on eligible voter age since 68, right? So a lot of people this year wrote the 68 to 2020 comparison articles because of unrest and all this shit going on and lootings and whatever. So do you think, first of all, do you think we go over 60% of eligible voters or do you think that 
pandemic i know we've had record early voting do you think yeah. the pandemic like makes tomorrow like an, a non-starter and then we stay under 50 like i think 2016 was 55 percent of eligible do you think we go over 60 do you think this is like our biggest turnout in decades or do you think it's like fucking low as hell yeah it'll be big Yes, big. big. It'll be big. Yeah, okay. it'll be big. Yep. So that part of the predictions, it'll be big. Uh, Joel, what what are your Huge. what are your what are your predictions? Uh, okay, so so I am. First of all, I'll say that I'm I'm a Republican. Chad used to be. Uh, yep. Ted, I don't know where where you fall on the spectrum, but it's maybe important to to point that out in this podcast. I'm I'm an optimist in America. Um, I know that the world is really down on us at the moment, and we have a lot of international listeners. So I, I do appreciate that. Um, but for me, the lines to vote, um, the in, the engagement around early voting and making sure that my voice counts says that, by golly, America can still be, you know, the, the idea on the hill that everyone strives for. So I'm incredibly encouraged by my fellow citizens going out and voting early. In terms of predictions, I think, I think this is a blue massacre, um, and I know at least Ted doesn't agree. I, I, Chad probably doesn't either. But I think that we make a statement not only to ourselves, but to the world that we're better than Donald Trump, and we're better than the division, the the governing through Twitter that's been going on. Um, quite frankly, a government that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, and the fact that I have young kids that are looking at this and thinking this is government really gets under my skin and, and pisses me off, quite frankly. So I, I believe Trump is out, is gone uh, on Tuesday. I don't think there's any like question. I think that the Senate flips blue. I think that every Republican who's been, quite frankly, a little bitch and, and just going with what Trump wants is going to be told, like, we're not going to stand for that. Um, and my, my hope as a Republican is that we take that message and say, we need to really rethink about what we are um, as a party. In terms of predictions, I think it's a blue wave. I think we know Trump is out as of Tuesday. I think the Senate flips. Um, I think Congress probably gains seats. And I think that we go back to turning the temperature down um, on the on the discourse in our country. We make nice with our, our allies. We get this pandemic under control. We take a big breath and get over this and then, you know, get our footing and, and hit, uh, you know, hit the future with some some optimism and some positivity. So that's that's my prediction. Ted, I think Biden's going to win. I don't know if it's going to be massacre, but I think it's going to be sizable. Do you think it's over Tuesday? Uh, I think it's probably over Thursday, if I had to okay. guess. I do think Pennsylvania might be an outlier. I think we're we're probably over shadow of a doubt by Thursday, but then we're into like a like a nice like two months plus of lawsuits on Friday morning. I do think Biden will win logically and wide enough that Trump would have to be carried out by the army, which would be a pretty stunning visual, you know, if, Wrong. He, if he tries to double down on it. I want to see a blue wave. I mean, the house, I feel like is stable. Senate, I think there needs to be like a four flip, five flip, which is doable. I would love to see that Harrison kid in South Carolina win. That'd be cool. 
yeah, school board and like local shit matters more to people's day to day lives, right? So I wouldn't mind getting like a little bit of progressivism around mass incarceration and stuff in big county DA offices too. But at the top of the ticket, I feel like Biden's going to win. I don't know what the EC number will be, but it's going to be convincing enough that even with lawyers and shit working in hyperdrive, I feel like he's not going to be able to claim he won, you know? So I'm really rich. Yeah. Last but not least, I'm going to, I'm going to go kind of the way that Joel went. I believe that Florida goes to Biden and it's over quick. Uh, if that happens, I, I think it will be over quick. If Florida doesn't go Biden, I think it's going to uh, it's going to be a horrible week for everyone because the disinformation is going to be ridiculous on every device we have. How about the Senate and uh, everything else, Chad? Do you think that? Oh. I think the Senate, yeah, I think the Senate will flip. I, I think what you had said with regard to one of the things that, again, really pressed me away from from Republicans is is Ryan, right? So you take a look at Ryan. I, I thought he yeah. was going to be the pretty much the future of yeah. of the uh, of the Republican Party, and he turned into a jelly spined little bitch, and so <laughs> did everybody else. Everybody else did too. Nobody would stand up for what they believed in, and that pushed me. That in effect, pushed me out of the party possibly forever because there's no way I can ever trust in that the grand old party anymore. So yeah, I believe that we're going to get, it's going to be a blue wave overall and we'll be able to get a, get rid of some of this shit that, uh, that Trump's done uh, and uh, hopefully get or get into Uncle Joe mode. Uh, this was fun, guys. Appreciate the time. Let's have a drink and uh, hope for yeah. the best. <laughs> and we, we out. out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chadcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. So weird. We out. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.